0: So I want you to go in your Bible with me this morning. Let's go to the book of Matthew 13. I believe God has spoke to my heart for you today. This may be I don't ever plan a series on anything. I really don't do it that way. But this may turn out that way if it does, fine if it don't, it don't. But I know God has spoke to me about you this morning and for you. And so I, I wanted to sp- I want to speak what I believe God is saying. I want you to look at Matthew chapter 13, and I want to read the first nine verses. It says, On the same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the sea, and great multitudes were gathered to him, so that he got into a boat and sat, and the whole multitude stood on the shore. Then he began to, then he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went to sow, and as he sowed, some some seed fell on the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. Some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth, and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth, but when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away, and some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. But others fell on good ground, and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. And he who, who has ears to hear, let him hear. I want to speak to you this morning on this whole idea, God just dropped it in my heart this week, I thought I'd be in another direction, on why I don't see more. Does anybody ever besides me ever get discouraged or think, God, I'm doing everything I know to do. I'm trusting you with everything I know to trust. But why don't I see more of you in my life? Why don't I see more of your blessing? Why don't I see more of your goodness like everybody else I, I, Everybody else sees, I, I see you bless them and, and Lord, it just seemed like... They get it all the time and, and I don't get anything. And sometimes I just feel like something is missing and something's wrong and I'm coming up short. Does anybody but me ever feel that way? Don't lie because I know i got to be speaking to somebody else besides me. Okay, i got three people in the house I'm preaching to. The rest of you can go home because evidently you don't need it. So I want you to pay a close attention to this passage of Scripture. If we would read through the whole book of Matthew chapter 13, we would find Jesus talking kingdom stuff, kingdom principles. And if you want to know how kingdom operates, it might pay you to walk through this and look at how Jesus said the kingdom would function. Notice one thing that he did when he was there. He spoke to the multitudes in parables. Now, why would Jesus use parables to speak to people? Why would he want to talk to anybody that way? Why don't he just get up front and get real straight in our face and tell it like it is? Well, I'm going to help you out this morning. Because there's a reason for parables. And I believe this is the number one reason of a parable. It causes us to pursue truth and what is really being said. It causes us to pursue truth. Now what he's doing, he's revealing truth. But he's breaking it down in a way that the highest scholar to the most, maybe we could say illiterate in the room, could understand the principles or what he wants them to know. It's a kingdom issue. And so if we're going to follow through this, we've got to understand something about the kingdom. In Matthew's gospel, we're not going to go to every one of these verses but we're going we're gonna to walk through from Genesis almost 1 all the way through. It starts out with Jesus coming on the scene, or actually with John the Baptist. And John the Baptist came preaching. We know that he was the forerunner of Christ. And he came preaching the gospel of the kingdom saying, The kingdom is at hand. It's coming. John was a forerunner. As soon as Jesus comes on the scene, the message of Jesus was, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now one is pointing forward and the other one is saying it's here right now. Everybody say it's here now. It's here. So who are we going to believe? Because I believe we've got a world, I believe we've got even the church, a church world that's caught believing well it's coming and others are saying it's here i hear it all the time one day god's going to do something great one day god's going to move i'm here to declare to you god is here right now in this room in this day and god is doing great things I believe it with all my heart. Now, who are you going to believe? You're going to believe John or are you going to believe Jesus? Because we're really caught. I hear it all the time through pastors. We're praying, even in our prayer, God, we want you to move. And God said, I am moving. Well, if God is moving, why can't I see? Maybe we don't understand the kingdom. Because we've got the idea that the kingdom is one, is that it could be a place. But Jesus said this in one of the Gospels. He said, you can't say that the kingdom is either here or there because the kingdom is within you. Man, I'm glad that California is not the only place God's doing something great. Because I got news for you. Most of us are going to get left out. I'm glad Tulsa's not the only place that God's moving. I'm glad that Nashville, Tennessee is not the only place God's moving. I'm glad that that Florida is not the only place that God's moving. But that's what happens to us. Oh man, we just gotta get there. If I could just get to East Kentucky, I know God is moving. Well, let me share this. Yes, God did show himself. God did pour out there. And there was something miraculous that has been going on in all those places. But it doesn't mean, although it seems to be manifested in a greater way there, doesn't mean that the same God is not right here in this room in this very moment with us. I'm confident of that. Because we don't understand kingdom. Kingdom. The kingdom is nothing more, I'm going to give you a definition, than the rule of the king. One of the definitions for the kingdom is the king's domain, where the king rules and he exercises his will into the heart and the lives of his people. So Jesus said, repent, I'm going to give you a change of mind. To the people of the day, they're under heavy taxation. They're under the hand of the Roman government. And Jesus comes and said, hey, I'm going to take you into another dimension, although I'm not changing you geographically. Think about that for a moment. He didn't get them all up and say, hey, we're leaving Bethlehem or we're leaving Jerusalem. Jerusalem. He didn't change geographically, but he did say, I'm changing kingdoms. Matter of fact, he didn't even overthrow the government of that day. Hello? But he did say, I'm going to give you another king that I'm going to put you in another domain. So Jesus comes on, I got to get done or I never will get there if I keep getting hung up. That's a bad thing about what I do. So Jesus is preaching, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Next thing that he does, he's called a couple guys and he said, follow me. I'm going to make you fishers of men. That's all we know that he said to them. I'm always intrigued why they even followed him. But then the next thing that happens in Matthew chapter 4 towards the end, he went into the synagogues and into the villages and he began to preach this gospel of the kingdom. And this is what began to happen. People were beginning to be healed. Healed. people were beginning to be set free people were being delivered and multitudes began to come to Jesus but wait a minute he didn't go preach healing he didn't go preach deliverance he went and preached the kingdom but healing and deliverance and freedom and victory was all a part of kingdom living and the Bible said that multitudes began to follow Jesus So now he's got a crowd and he doesn't have a PR guy and he doesn't have a coliseum to hold him in and he's not worried about well we better do something because we got a move of God going on no he just goes to a mountain takes those that would follow him and just begins to teach them out of Matthew chapter 5, 6 and 7 and this is what he gives them a picture of he gives them hey guys you've heard it said this is the way you've been taught but if you're going to dwell in my kingdom this is how life is going to be and this is what I expect out of you whole chapter 5 6 and 7 is just instructions you're not going to be like everybody else because I'm making you salt and light and through your good works you're going to glorify my father in heaven and then Matthew chapter 8 he leaves there and chapter 9 and you know what Jesus does he tells those disciples come with me guys and he goes and he just starts doing kingdom stuff the first thing that he does he cleanses a leper leprosy as we would know it was a dreaded disease but I believe we could liken it in a spiritual way as sin I love the songs that they sung this morning What can make me holy? What can make me righteous? What can justify this real life for me? It's nothing but the blood of Jesus. And when this man was separated by everything, Jesus came into him and he touched him. And the Bible said he made him every whit And and then he goes and he heals a centurion's servant. Man, he even gets involved in people that are not of the household of faith, if we could say it like that. He really got involved. Matter of fact, he got involved enough that he didn't just say, yeah, I'll heal them. He said, where are they at? I'll go to their house and not only did he heal them then the bible tells us that he left that place and he and he goes and he heals peter's uh, mother-in-law and then the bible said that when the evening had come they brought him any that were demon possessed and he cast out the spirits and healed all who were sick that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah, the prophet, that he himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. So wait a minute. He's fulfilling the prophets. Jesus said, I didn't come to do away with the law and the prophets. I just come to fulfill every bit of it. And then we know the wind and the seas have. He had authority over that. He cast out more demons. He healed more people. And then when you get to the end of chapter 9, verse 35, Jesus went about all the cities and all the villages, teaching in the synagogue, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and disease among the people. But then he saw there were so many people So many people that he said, pray you that the Lord would send forth labors to touch everybody. Because I got news for you. People want this Jesus. People want this Jesus. Now, sometimes the reason we're not seeing, it's not a Jesus problem. It's a challenge on on our end. I don't want to necessarily say we got a problem, but we really may not be where we think we are. We may not have what we think we have. We may not know what we think we know. Because everybody's coming to Jesus, and it seems like without, listen, without even announcement ahead of time, come here, this man of faith and power, that people just came because they wanted to get in the presence of Jesus because something. About Jesus changed life. So he sends out the 10. Matthew chapter, or the 12. and Matthew Matthew chapter 10, he gave them authority. And he gave them power over, over sickness and disease. And to cast out demons. And he gave them a message. And he said, rather go and preach saying, the kingdom of heaven is here. But he didn't tell them to go do a crusade. He didn't tell them to go rent a big auditorium. Don't go look for the hottest evangelist you can find. Bring him to town and we'll see great things. No. He just told them, I want you to go nowhere right now but the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And he said, I want you to go to their house. I want you to get involved in somebody's life. I'm giving you authority to change what that house needs and so he gave them authority we know that they go and they preach and and they're doing the works of Jesus chapter 11 we get to the spot where John is imprisoned now and one of John's disciples I gotta lay this history and then I'm gonna land quickly all right so John is in prison because everybody's still following John one of his disciples. See, John only had a responsibility, and that was to be the forerunner of Christ. He should have been the first disciple. He should have been the main apostle behind him. But instead, John kept going his way. So John's in prison. We know how John got there. That's, he sends one of his disciples, and they hear about this Jesus And people being healed and people's lives being changed. And so they ask, go see if that's him or if there's another to come. Kind of interesting to me. You can have an insight into the future but really not know the depth of the future because if you did, you wouldn't be asking that question. Hello, I can know a little bit about the future but never have the depth of it to know what it was all about. So they asked Jesus, "Uh, John sent us, I got to know, are you him or is there another to come? And Jesus sent him back and said, just go tell John that the blind see, the lame walk, the deaf are hearing, dead men are getting up, and the gospel is being preached to them that's all he said to him just go tell him and that was enough for Jesus so as you keep reading on through those things Jesus would go to the cities that would hear about him and there were those that would reject Jesus and reject this kingdom message and they turned him away and Jesus would say woe to them in such a way but then Jesus says to this Jesus said at the end of chapter 11 you've heard these verses real well he said come unto me all of you that are weary and heavy laden and i will give you rest take my yoke upon you learn of me and you will for i i am for i am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light so listen to what jesus said he said to everybody that's troubled i'm your rest You better hear it's Jesus. We've set the core value of this place, that it's Jesus. I love that song that we just sang. Does anybody want to be righteous? Does anybody want to be holy? Does anybody want to be pure? Does anybody want to be justified? It's only by the blood. It's only through the blood of Jesus. That's the part of the kingdom you and I need to understand. It's all about the King. It's all of, if it's not about a miracle, it's all about the king. So I may have things back to front. I need a miracle, but I'm not making it about the king. I'm making it about a formula that I've been taught in religion that if I would do these things, this would happen. But Jesus just said, come unto me, all you that are weary, all you that are carrying a load, and I'll give you rest. And then in chapter 12, Jesus takes his disciples and he goes through a cornfield and it's on the Sabbath. And Jesus just starts picking corn and he begins to serve the people or serve his disciples. And the, the religious group that was it, wait a minute, teacher, you say you're sent from God. Don't you realize that this is the Sabbath day? Don't you understand that nothing is to be done on this day. Listen to what Jesus responded to him. He said, didn't you read that when David was hungry that David didn't have a problem going into the holy place and open up and taking that showbread if I got the picture right and partaking of it and he didn't die at doing it I believe what God is saying to them it's not about your religious activity of everything that you're doing but it's when you come to realize that I am your Sabbath I am your rest I am your faith I've given you everything that you need and in me is everything that you have need of. So then, I I love these passages of scripture. I wish I could read them all. But I want to read verse 15 of chapter 12. She doesn't have to put it up, just something I saw. But when Jesus knew it, he withdrew from there because they talked about stoning him and everything else. And when Jesus knew it, he withdrew from there, and great multitudes followed him, and he healed them all. Now I'm fascinated because I I just went through. You can't imagine how many times in the first twelve chapters it talks about the multitudes following Jesus, and I'm thinking, why are you? Why are they following him? I've always been fascinated by this. It wasn't about his light show. It wasn't about all the stuff that we mock and make fun of churches using today. What made those first disciples when Jesus said, hey guys, follow me. I'm going to make you fishers of men that they would drop their nets leave their boats leave their families and say I don't know what it is about you but I'm going to get with you I believe first of all this is kingdom and I believe he has shown us something about kingdom that kingdom is very personal and it's very close and it's within us I believe the reasons the multitudes followed Jesus wasn't so much because they saw a leg stretch out they saw somebody set free although the Bible tells us they followed him because of bread and and because of things like that but the initial start of that was I believe somebody really showed those people that he cared about where they were and that he had an answer to help bring the change that they needed in their life. Maybe we've missed something, church, over the last couple years in our messed up world. We're screaming and hollering about politics and everything that's going on. And we've got a world that's gone mad and in trouble. From Black Lives Matter to the LGBTQ to everything in between. And don't anybody be offended at me. I'm making a point here. Maybe we've not heard the real cry maybe we've just got upset over action and we didn't realize that there was a cry coming out of those people is there somebody will you help will you help give me an identity is there somebody that cares enough to come to me and get involved in my life and look at me beyond what the world has marked me to be I heard a statement this past week I can't remember who said it I wrote it down in a journal that a lot of people have come under condemnation and condemnation says I am a mistake and I am a failure but instead of being condemned God is bringing conviction to them which means you made a mistake but you can be changed and God has a plan and he's got a future for you but the church has fallen into the same voice of the world instead of running and put our arms around Around somebody and say I care about where you are I know you're hurting I know you're struggling but I serve a Jesus that cares about where you are maybe we've missed the message maybe maybe we missed it so he said all of these multitudes followed him and there were so many that Jesus just crawled into a boat and he sat down He's got a natural amphitheater probably or his voice echoing off the water and he just begins to teach. Now I want you to pay attention to this this parable that you all know. He said a sower began to go sow seed. Now we got to get out of our Western culture of a garden and farming because it didn't happen that way for them. He didn't have a John Deere rototiller or a John Deere tractor, cut up a couple acres of ground, had it tilled in, had it fertilized, and everything was right and prepared, ready to grow. Got to get that out of your mind because that's not what he's talking here. Remember, it's a parable. A sower was sowing. Why does a sower sow? Because he's after something. He's after fruit. He's after a harvest. He's after a crop. So the sower begins to sow. And this is the picture that it gives us. That a sower just starts walking through the land and he's throwing seed. He's broadcasting seed everywhere he goes. Here's the principle number one I want to get you. The kingdom... Always starts in a seed form. Hello. Starts in a seed form. So if it's in a seed form, what does a seed do? It germinates. And what happens after that? It begins to produce something different on the inside of it. And when it starts producing that, then it brings forth what? Fruit. And that's what we're all after. Sometimes it's not that the kingdom isn't here. It's not that the kingdom isn't in you. It is in the process of its growth. Hello? So the sower is sowing. And he's throwing seed out everywhere he goes. I don't know that I would sow. I probably do garden that way. But he just goes and he throws it. And the word said, some of it fail on wayside soil and immediately the birds came and got it. And then some fell on stony places and, and it sprang up a little bit, but because there's no depth of earth, it didn't last. And then some fell among the thorns and the thorns choked it out and then some really fell on some ground that was really prepared and, and all of a sudden it began to grow and produce. I've often heard preachers preach it this way until I read this verse again. I've missed it. I want you to see something. Some fell, some brought forth a hundredfold, some brought 60, and some brought 30. Most people that I've heard preach that do it backwards. Some brought 30, some brought 60, and some brought 100. Here's the principle the kingdom seed always has a 100% fold of harvest on the inside of it. It always has. But if it falls into the wrong soil, it might only produce 60. But it doesn't mean that the other 40 is still not there. Hang on with me. And some of it may fall and it'll only produce 30. That's where some of, you're only at the 30% level. And some of it, never gets produced. Why? Why? Because Jesus talks to us and he gives us a a, a reason why. Because I really believe, remember, it's a parable. It's all it is. It's a story that causes us to pursue truth. I, I don't think it's an issue with the sower. I don't think it's an issue with the seed. But it is an issue with the ground. And what he's liking us as, he's liking us as the ground. So here's the way it is. He gives a definition of it in verse 18. He said, hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches it away, that which was sown in his heart. And this is he who receives seed by the wayside. Here's the thing I want you to understand. There's always going to be a devil that's going to fight you and he's going to try to take every bit of truth and every bit of the seed of God that God has placed in your life. He's going to try to snatch it away. You mean he's got authority over the word? No, I don't believe that at all. But he does have authority that he can cause you to give up on the word. He can cause you to say there's nothing to this. How many times have you seen God bless others and you've been praying and you've been believing and you've been sowing and nothing happens and He keeps pressing on you and keeps messing with you till you get to the point, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm done with this. I heard my brother say that. I heard my brother say that years ago. Grew up in church, grew up in faith. Grew up just like I did preach this gospel Saying all over the country Him and my older brother At the age of 31 years of old Because there was a battle going on within his life That none of us knew at the moment That we didn't know about But something raging And I got an idea He prayed about it many times And it didn't mean I watched him Under the power of the Holy Ghost I know there was an anointing in him But there's a battle raging on the inside of him And evidently the enemy pressed him enough To one day These were his words I'm tired of this faith stuff. And the moment he did that, he opened that door for the image, the enemy, to ravage him and to carry him fully into the very battle to the thing that he was warring against. We might look at it like this. Remember, it's it's soil that hasn't even been touched, it's like ground that's just been walked on. He could have just been throwing on the, on the grass. He just, and the enemy, like a vulture, like a bird, comes immediately to snatch that seed away. I, I see three or four different stages of people in the scripture. This is why it's so important, church, that we understand what the parable and we understand where Jesus is because some of you have been in this thing a long time. You've, you've already forgot more than you'll know. Come on. I, I mean, I grew up in this, me and I, and this is all we've ever known. And we think because we know it, everybody around us know it. Or because they walk into the house Hey, man, they've got it. They got blessed. They got touched this morning, and then we just leave them alone. And the reality is they are like newborn babies that we're just give, we have just given birth to, and if somebody doesn't care for them and doesn't nurture them, they're going to die. They've got to have it. It's not an option. We had Maverick overnight. He stays with us when... On, on, on Saturday night when uh, Chad and Alexis, both of them are here early for Sunday morning so they don't have to get him up early. And he's up at 5.30 this morning. Bless his heart. We got a little monitor looked down there and he's got a pillow, he's got a dog and he's got a passy and he's got a blanket. I looked at 5.30 this morning and I was looking in that little monitor and they're all flying out of the bed. He's ready to get up. But the reality is we couldn't leave him by himself. He can't survive. He'll die. This ought to teach us something, church, that sometime you think because they come in and they got the ooey-gooey's and they fell on the floor and because they got a new name, because they just come in, that they're all there. And they're grown up. And what we do is we just go and we live them alone. And the enemy flies in real quick to snatch up and deceive and destroy everything that God put in their life. But then I think there's not only the baby stage, I think there's the children's stage. You know, a little bit older. I'll use my grandkids. It's it's Samuel's age. And Lucy and Nora. Uh, They're great. They can get up on their own. Matter of fact, Sam and those kids, they make their own breakfast sometime. I mean they cook pancakes, eggs, they do it all. Except when they come to my house. They they do it all. (laughs) I'm sorry. sorry. They don't come to the house to do that. (laughs) I just had to lighten it up. (laughs) You have to understand, they don't have the emotional well-being right now. They don't have the wisdom. They don't have the strength to be able to stand. They're kind of like that, that soil that was, you know, fell among the stones. And because there's not much earth in it, when the sun comes up and it starts getting hot and things start pressing in, they can't stand, they can't last. But then I think there's a, there's a measure of adulthood. And that's the next step. That's, that's that place that we move in because now it's the place that we've got to make some strong decisions. I thought about this one. This had really got me because it talked about the thorns. Isn't it interesting when Adam sinned against the Lord, the first thing that God spoke to him would happen in the earth. He said, thorns and thistles is it going to bring to you? It's going to stop you from being everything that I've intended and wanted you to be. I also, as I begin to look at that passage of scripture, I realized something through some study and I got to do some more. So... This is the reality that when God used Moses and he was going to use him to go bring deliverance to the the children that were in Egypt, he spoke to Moses through a burning bush and history shows us it was a thorn bush that was on fire by the hand of God. And when God gave instruction that he wanted to dwell among his people, he had Moses build a sanctuary, told him to bring certain wood, and that wood was from a thorn bush. Well, wow, kind of interesting that some of the things, like I said, I got to do some more research because I never thought, wow, that's pretty interesting. And I thought, okay, God, I've got a problem here with this thorn bush. How do we deal with the thorn bush? Because here's the thing that he said the thorn bush is he said, they are full of the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches. Worship team, get in your place if you don't mind. He said they're full of the cares of this world and deceitful riches. This is that place of adulthood that I believe you're no longer a kid, but you've got to make a rise righteous decision that I'm going to sell out to Jesus and I'm going to live for him fully. Because the only thing I, I was, I was been asking God this question. Lord, how do we deal with the thorn bush? And that's when I began to find that the bush that Moses and and the tabernacle, the wood out of it, was from a thorn tree. That I found, and I believe this was the answer of it all, the only thing that's going to move the thorn bush out of your life and those things that keeping you from being who you are is Jesus and you making that final, complete decision. I will give my life to Jesus and I will not serve this world system. And some of you in this place, you think you got a problem. No, you don't have a problem. you got a Jesus problem that you need to come to this point to say, I'm going to sell out to Jesus. Now, I'm not going to say it's going to be a struggle that goes away overnight, but I'm telling you, he's the answer to get you away from the thorn bush or to get it out of your way so that he can call you a son because it leads us to the good ground where I believe the hundredfold harvest is. He said, that is the ground that's been toiled. And I'm just pushing through this because I don't have time to to lay it down every bit of it. But I believe this is that person that reaches, I identify now that I am truly a son of God or I'm a daughter of God I have his name I have his DNA in me that's who I am that's who I live for and that's who I serve so Jesus spoke that parable let me land it right here verse 10 the disciples came to him and said why do you speak to them in parables and he answered and said because it's been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven but to them it's not been given for whoever has to him more will be given and he will and he will have an abundance notice what he said the more you know about the kingdom and the more you choose to walk in the kingdom the more the manifestation of it I didn't say it. Jesus said it. The more you pursue God, I I really want to know what your life is like in me. But he said, but whoever does not have it, even that which he has will be taken away. Boy, that's a hard saying to me. I've really learned this. I believe it's a truth. I really believe it. I've learned this out of 40 years of pastoring. If you want to grow more, if you want to know more, I don't believe it's necessarily always by, I just got to have my face in the book. Don't anybody misinterpret that. But I believe it's by giving away and imparting into somebody else what you've received. And the more you give away, the more God brings to you. But if you don't do anything with what you got, it's the old saying, if you don't use it, you lose it. And I believe he's saying this. I've given it to many, but because they didn't move on it. They didn't step into it. They didn't follow me. They didn't move with me. He said, what happened? The enemy came in and he said, they're trying to have a little bit of life. But what life they had, the enemy took them even deeper and took them even further. And then he goes on to say, Therefore I speak to them in parables, but seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. And then in them the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled. Hearing you will hear, and shall not understand, and seeing you will see and not perceive. For the hearts of this people have grown dull. There's a key. He said, the heart, Isaiah prophesied it. What does the word dull mean? It means you've been weighted down so much by the care of this world. And you're so weighted down by issues and problems that you've become dull. Your senses are no longer there to know that even God is with you. God, I don't feel like you're anywhere. I believe there's people in here, in this room. A church can get dull and don't even realize it. Trying to push to have a move of God or to have this and that. and We don't see it. We start, we don't even realize we're getting dull. Instead of it just, God, I'm going to worship you and I'm going to serve you. And the only way that I can truly measure this is... If only time that you're giving anything to God is when you walk in this room on a Sunday morning and you expect me or whoever's on this platform to entertain you and lead you somewhere, then I want to tell you something. You're dull. Because this isn't just a Sunday morning activity. This is our life. This is our life. This is how I live. Yeah, I went and played pickleball the other day. Couldn't hardly move yesterday, but I played the other day. I'm making a point with that. Activities change as we get older. I want to run with those young bucks. I want to give them a fit. I played as hard as I could. We won a couple games, lost a lot. I don't know why they kept looking at me, but but the reality is, listen, I'm, I'm just making a point from all these different stages. Life changes, but because life changes doesn't mean I have to get dull. Maybe I just need to look for the activity of the season or the time I'm in instead of wishing I was back there. And keeping my keeping my life sharp keeping my spirit sharp keeping my blade sharp I was trying to cut something up the other night and I got a dullest knife that thing won't cut nothing so I got one of those sharpeners in it that didn't do much and I'm sitting here with this blade on a on a piece of iron I guess And that verse came to my mind. Iron sharpens iron. Now that little blade, that little metal thing over there, it looked as dull as the knife, if not duller. But if I would put them together somehow, something would change about the blade. Something would change in the knife. And I I believe, church, we've gotten dull. Some of us in this room don't even realize it. And you're questioning, you're getting discouraged that, God, everybody's getting blessed but me. Why can't I feel something? I'm telling you, he's here. He's in this room with us. He was here before I got here. But he was more here when I arrived. And he was more here when you arrived. Because he came in each one of us. But some of us are dull and we're not releasing our supply. So I can't draw from what I need to draw from this morning. So why don't I see more? Maybe it's, maybe it's, I need to just take a look at my own heart. Maybe I need to take a look inside. I want to blame Charlie, I want to blame Adam and Bethany blame my wife blame somebody it's easier to do that than it is to say hey this cat has gotten dull but if you're here this morning i'm telling you jesus is here and i'm telling you he's with you but if you feel like you're getting dull he's here to touch you this morning and he's here to bless you and he's here to sharpen and give you back that place and let you grow in Him or Him grow in you. Last statement I'll make as you stand to your feet. I learned something a long time ago. Why don't I have vision? Most of you that know me, you've heard a little bit of our story. I'm not going to tell it all, but just this one comment that I knew I was called to preach when I was a little boy, eight years old, eight or nine, I think it was eight, laid out on the floor in the Spirit in a little storefront church on the corner of Sixth Street and Elizabeth in Paducah. And my oldest brother was the pastor of the church at that day, but the Spirit of God had me nailed to the floor a little boy. And all I could hear was preach. But I believe that day God looked 40 something maybe 50 years down the road and God talked to me about July 23 2023 that I'd be standing on this platform preaching this message to you. I believe He was speaking all of those things, Kelsey over my lifetime. He put it in one word. And the reason He put it in one word was this. Because that eight year old boy wouldn't have understood this but I would understand preach and I've learned this about God the vision doesn't grow in you but you grow into the vision so so may I say it like this the kingdom doesn't grow in you you're growing into the kingdom that's what is happening and you may be at a stage that you're growing and you just don't realize and we all get there put in that process because if I don't understand I'm so weighted down by everything around me so weighted down about where I want to be so weighted. I even see people oh I feel like I got to be here I feel, like I, I feel like I feel like I feel like I feel like I've watched people shipwreck in that place right there because they kept feeling like and wouldn't allow the kingdom to develop fully or allow themselves to develop fully into the kingdom. So maybe you're here this morning. Maybe you've been in that place of discouragement. Maybe you've been in that place that God's touched you time after time and you would start and it just seemed like, well, I had one good experience, but I'd go right back. I'm telling you today, the kingdom of heaven is here. I'm telling you today, just as like Jesus was preaching in that temple, and everybody that came in was healed and delivered and set free, that same Jesus is right here.